tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha, and this week we're talking about Burn After Reading. When a disc filled with mysterious, top-level, CIA-type shit is found (laughs) by two airheaded gym employees, the lives of several people spiral out of control. Out of control, indeed. So that synopsis was for Burn After Reading, which was a 2008 film written and directed by the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan Coen, and it stars Francis McDormand, Brad Pitt, John Malkovich, George Clooney, and like 50 other people. (laughs) You did not warn me about this cast <laughs> at all. Yeah, the cast is very exciting on this one. It's a uh, real who's who of Hollywood. <laughs> it almost reminded me of like when we watched Knives Out somewhat recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. you're just getting like, ah, that guy. <laughs> yes, like I said, it was a 2008 film. It was a budget of about $37 million, and mm-hmm. it, worldwide it grossed about $167 million. Dang. So it was a pretty big hit. Coen Brothers. They've had some flops, but generally they their movies are pretty fucking where, pretty who masterful. Who are their parents? We have to talk to them. Right? They, <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, they raised some crazy-esque brothers. Also, I don't understand. In 2008, where the hell? Like, I remember that year so clearly, but I'd never heard of this film in my life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I remember I loved it. For, from, I mean, we'll get into all that, but I remember it, some of the criticisms that got was it was right. It was the follow-up movie the year after they did No Country for Old Men, Oh, which is, you know, definitely everyone puts it in their top. <laughs> it's mo- not this movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like in the top movies that people ever consider of like the best Coen Brothers movies, and to a lot of people, it's their favorite Coen Brothers movie, oh. and it's so... Great, like this movie is so different in every way than that. What people are mad because they didn't do the same thing. Yeah, which also, if you go through their filmography, they never do the same. Like they never do more than the same type of tone in a movie twice in a row before they get bored and go hunt one eighty in the other way. Right. So uh, it was totally normal for them to make a comedy about top level CIA shit about a bunch of buffoons, basically. So that was uh, (laughs) that's where we were in two thousand eight with this one. Wow, but seriously, like. Their parents should write a book about parenting. Like the fact that they like went on to make movies imagine together were, and collaborate. Imagine they were just like, I don't know. We just dropped them off at the movie theaters. It's like, <laughs> didn't do shit. Yeah. I'll get into my whole scenario with this guy, but you kind of gave it away there by asking <laughs> what, what was going on in 2008. Sorry. But Got ahead of it. So obviously you'd never seen it before, but what was your expectations going in? At least based on the title when I said when I said we're picking Burn After Reading. Right. Well, I knew we were going to go a little lighter because we've been doing Fear What I Fear. So yeah, I would, we I would came, have... <laughs> exactly. We came out of it with you doing Bring It On, which is not anywhere near the yeah. horror movie. So you picked the light one. So I was like, you know what? I want to pick a comedy, but I didn't want to go like full on stupid. Even though as silly as this is, it's still made by some filmmakers I admire like crazy. Like I think there's some of the top people around making movies right so i still think there's like a lot to chew on as stupid as this movie can get right yeah yeah so i was happy about that um so i was looking forward to so you knew i was picking like at least something in like in the neighborhood of comedy exactly so i was looking forward to that you know um taking a little break from the horror i didn't know anything about this movie i didn't know anything about the cast i know of the coen brothers i did watch no country for old men 
and I like that movie a lot, even though friggin' uh, oh. what's his name scares me. So I can't I can't watch him in any other role because I'm always suspicious of him. It, it starts with a J. Javier. Javier Burdum. Yeah. Javier Burdum. There we Burdum. go. <laughs> hey, is that is that Javier Burdum? <laughs> yeah, Javier Burdum. Yeah, he's like, such a good actor, but like too good. You know but actually, I, mean? I wanted to ask you. So I know you. So you watched that. I I remember actually you were working on it for work because you were cutting a promo. Actually, it wasn't even for work. I was just making a promo because that was in the early days of me starting to work in promo editing. Yeah. And so I was making like a... I was basically practicing and making a promo and I chose No Country for Old Men as my movie. Nice. Even though you had never seen it before at that time. No, I had. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, I yeah, thought you yeah. watched it because of that. No, no. Uh, um, oh. I rewatched it because of that, but... But um, I think that might be your only Coen Brothers movie. I'm, I'm like, I was like trying to think back to we it. We half watched... We watched a little bit of uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, yeah. and then something came up and we had to stop. Right. But uh, we didn't even have. I think we watched a quarter of it. Yeah. But uh, that's that's that could be my favorite, but it's not. If it's a, it's definitely like my top three favorite Coen Brothers movies. Uh, okay. So it's coming up on this podcast eventually. Careful. Well, I don't want pop. God damn it! I'm a Dapper Dan man. One thing I will say is that this movie made me realize, and I don't know how this is possible to know of George. Clooney, but yeah. never have watched any of his movies. Really, I, I, I was, I was going through my head, and I was like, I don't think I've ever watched a George Clooney movie in never my life. Never seen a George Clooney movie. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, not one. Come yeah, on, there I'd has never... to be. I'm going through the list right okay. now. Hang on, we're taking a detour. All right, taking a Clooney detour. <laughs> Come on, let me see. We, we... I didn't watch Gravity. I think that was the most recent one. All right. I never watched Ocean's Eleven. What else is he known for? Like, what's his like? When you say George Clooney, what's the movie that people think of first? He's just such a he's just such like a all embodied movie star. I feel like once he was on ER, everyone just knew him as like, oh ER. But that's not the, a movie. That's yeah, not. but that's yeah. You didn't see Michael Clayton? No. Up in the air? No. Does the guy not sing? I could see him being in like a rendition of Guys and Dolls or something like <laughs> some old timey musical remake. You know, yeah. just tap him for that. <laughs> all right, never mind. Yeah, so All right. that was one realization uh, coming into this film. But yeah, like I said, I was looking forward to it. But uh, I'd love to know. And first of all, I need to know if you saw this in theaters because I feel like that would have been a cool experience. Um, but how did you come come by this film? I mean, it sounds like you're a Coen Brothers fan anyway. So yeah. that's probably what lured you in. So right? yeah, I did see this in theaters. I was already full-blown a Coen Brothers fan at this point. My first experience with them was the Big Lebowski because of just like the cult status of all of it and you know like me falling in love with movies at the same time the internet was becoming a thing right. so everybody would constantly say what Big Lebowski you gotta see and I had older cousins they were like funniest movie ever mm -hmm. and I love the Big Lebowski but that was like my first like introduction to them and the main reason I was I was asking you about how much Cohen you've seen is because their movies go across a whole but they make a whole diff bunch of different types of movies but Overall, I always kind of look at them as you can almost split it down the middle of they're either these like gritty, uh, not always like violent, but just like these like realistic, true, a lot of times involving crime and murder and mystery, like these kind of just like no country for old men. 
you yeah. know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> uh-huh. And then on the other hand, they make these so over the top, well-crafted, but incredibly silly movies just starring fucking idiots who just get in over the top. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just like silliness incarnate. Mm-hmm. And that's their other type of movie. So it's so fun to see. Like, I even like went through their whole filmography and like saw the order of how things came out. And like I said, mm-hmm. I feel like they never made like more than two of one style before they were like, all right, we got to make a comedy and, and like brush our teeth out of this like craziness i like it they're kind of making their career into like a (laughs) i don't know like a show of sorts like you don't they want to keep the audience on their toes somehow yeah yeah it's funny and like you know plenty of directors make different movies you know you get george miller who makes mad max and he also makes happy feet you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. so i'm not saying that never exists but it's saying how consistent they are because there's always like that coen brothers feel to everything like there's always just like a like a mark of quality over all their movies. Like even the ones, if you're not into them story-wise, I don't think they really make like bad movies. You know what I mean? This They're... is a dumb question. Yeah. Are the Coen brothers the Matrix brothers? No, that's the Wachowskis. Oh. And they're not brothers anymore. <gasps> Wait. Oh, you're, you're sorry. Not, you're not PC in it. Right. No, I, did. I completely forgot. They're just the Wachowskis. <laughs> there's so many brothers in Nor- Hollywood. Nora, I guess. Or our siblings yeah. in Hollywood. Nora, it doesn't seem like they're a team anymore because only one of the Wachowskis is coming back for that fourth one. Oh. So we'll see what happens. Drama. I don't know. I didn't read it, but that didn't. Allegedly. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> say we- allegedly on everything. <laughs> So yeah, into Cohen's from Big Lebowski. From there, I just I kind of did the same thing I did with other like Martin Scorsese and Kubrick, where I was just like, I gotta see everything. So that's when I deep dove into the catalog and watched me some, you know, Fargo, mm-hmm. Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, all the classics, all the good ones. So then from then on, like I was in high school when No Country for Old Men came out, and it was like, you know, it was the same thing when The Dark Knight came out. It was huge. Like everybody, mm-hmm. like everybody saw that movie. It was insane. It took the country by storm, and it was goddamn amazing. And so then this one came out, and then I remember me rushing to the theaters to see it, getting a couple friends excited, but nobody, people who didn't like follow filmmakers and movies, like I couldn't be like, it's the guys who did No Country for Old Men, because they would have just sold this movie the wrong way to them. Right. They would have been like, sweet, the next, you know, like movie about a guy who's killing people. Well, did you know, did you, were you in your I'm don't watch preview mode in those days? Like, no, did you know no, what that, you were going in for? No, that was pretty recent. Oh. I mean, I was watching previews. Day and night back then. You, right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. kind of knew what was. Oh, yeah. I knew what I was going into and I knew what to expect from Coen Brothers. Like, I yeah. knew I could get a movie like Raising Arizona. Okay. Or I could get a movie like Miller's Crossing, which gotcha. is the same thing as comparing this to No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, yeah, I was just, I just went into it expecting Coen goodness and uh, I thought it was hilarious. I love this, like, weird kind of comedy. It's like, it's like the closest that, like, American comedy gets to British comedy sometimes mm-hmm. where it's not really like. It's not these like giant elaborate setups and punchlines or big like physical things. It's more just kind of the performances and like the subtlety of like the things they're saying. You know what I mean? Like the so the humor kind of spoke to me right away. And I had some friends who just thought it wasn't funny at all. But all in all, yeah, it was like an instant love for me right away. And then I've watched it a couple times like throughout the years. Like at this point, it's been out for twelve years, but you know, probably like every like four or five years, maybe I popped it on once. Mm-hmm. This is probably like my fourth or fifth time watching it in full. But yeah, I loved all the performances. I mean, we'll get into what I actually liked about the movie as we go on. But overall, what I really like about it is it's not 100% feels the way a movie that Edgar Wright would make. But (laughs) it's almost, you could almost make it a satire of these kind of like spy Jason Bourne, almost Mission Impossible movies. Right. But a little more grounded. But like it's not a parody, like a scary movie where they're just like being so silly and over the top. So I just love the whole 
the the seriousness and tone that the movie takes and then how stupid all the characters that are thrown into it are. It's almost like them parodying themselves of making a super serious movie about spies and death and killing and assassins and then putting in their stupid characters into that plot, which right. is pretty awesome. And I know you haven't seen The Big Lebowski, but we'll watch it eventually one day. And this movie is totally, in my eyes, the same tone and idea of that movie where it's kind of, there's a crime movie going on in the background, but then you're focusing on these morons who just happen to be like involved in it. Okay. You know, and so this is kind of similar. It's not a crime movie, but there's almost like one plot happening and then a bunch of morons who don't really understand their place and what's going on and kind of all have their own idea right. of what they think the events are when they're not really that. That's you know fun. what I mean? Um, and for you, yeah, it. for you, I just thought you would enjoy it. I picked it. Hey, I just know you love star-studded movies. Like, <laughs> I just, you, your ears always perk up whenever there's, like, a, people you recognize. <laughs> so I thought the odds of you recognizing some people in this would be pretty high. Pretty accurate. Yeah. First half of this movie was just... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you've enjoyed, we've enjoyed Frances McDormand together. Mm-hmm. She's in tons of stuff, but I know, like, when we watched Three Billboards, you were like, she's amazing. Yeah. And... Even though it's a small role, I knew J.K. Simmons was a good one for you. Mm. So I figured I was, I was pretty covered on the cast, you know, based on s- the kind of stuff you laugh at. I kind of, I knew you would get the humor. I didn't think it would be like humor that you would hate. So I knew you would get some laughs out of it. Um, I knew there'd be some anxiety in there for you, which I, <laughs> I knew wouldn't be your favorite. But that's just, that comes with the territory of these movies. <laughs> and yeah, so I just figured it'd be kind of like lighthearted. And I thought you'd be able to like be in on the joke as opposed to some of my friends who felt like the movie was like making fun of them as a viewer as opposed to <laughs> you know what i mean interesting yeah we'll get into it as the as we unroll the plot but there are certain ways to read the ending so i thought that would be pretty funny nice i don't have too much background facts on this movie uh, when from my experience when you're researching movies like this is their the coen brothers 13th feature film when you're at this point unless something memorable happens on set there's not gonna be too much documentation about you know what i mean like it's not it's not their first movie it's not their biggest movie it's not an overly expensive movie so there's not there's not a huge amount of like on set stories more just like kind of anecdotes and things like that all right as opposed to something big like when you're reading like a hitchcock made psycho or something like that I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it was extremely successful from a budget standpoint, so I'm surprised that... Yeah, but I think comparatively to No Country, I still don't think it was as oh. um, as successful. Interessant. But what I did learn was, so basically, they wrote this screenplay the same time they were writing the No Country screenplay. Hmm. So they said they actually wrote on alternate days. So like on one day of the week, they would work on No Country, <laughs> and then they would switch the next day to this. And it kind of like kept them balanced because No Country was so dark. I like that. That like they wanted to write something like so stupid or like oh, what if this moron does this? That actually probably helped write like such good scripts, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like kinda it's almost like, like a fun day. It's almost like a cheat day, you know? <laughs> exactly. What I mean? They kind of got the idea, um, A, they said they never made like a spy movie before, so that was kind of their idea of like, oh let's do that. That was like the starting point, I think before they even knew it would be a comedy. But then at this point in their careers, you know, they've been doing this for over 20 years. This is their 13th movie, basically, or will be by the time it's over. So they've already accumulated and they love to work with the same actors. They've accumulated such a roster of like friends of actors in Hollywood. So they just started thinking of like what they would love to see, like silly scenarios or or acting styles. They would like to see these people do and their friends. So every role in this movie, in terms of the big characters except for Tilda Swinton, was written with the actor in mind who ended up playing the role. So when Tilda were... was Francis's role? No. 
Tilda's an actress. Oh. <laughs> and Tilda was um, uh, oh, she John was... Malkovich's wife. Okay, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tilda Swinton. Gotcha. <laughs> Tilda was Francis's role. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when they were writing the script, they, they envisioned George Clooney playing his character. They envisioned Brad Pitt as the airhead gym guy. They envisioned Francis McDormand as Linda Litsky. Gotcha. So, they just kind of, like, let them kind of see the movie in their eyes a little easier when they were writing it. Aww. And they didn't, you know, ask them all yet, but they kind of assumed they'd probably get them. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Francis McDormand, she's married to Joel Cohen, so mm-hmm. they've been, you know, yeah. it's not too hard to ask her. So it's just like a kind of like a fun way of they were like, what if this happens in this? And they were just kind of writing all the silliness. And then they found ways to kind of like tie it all together. Kind of similar to what we talked about when we did Days and Confused. He, they both, both the Cohen said like, this is a movie very dependent on the casting and the performances. Absolutely. Not a lot's going on plot-wise if you really break it down. Uh. So, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of... All right, sorry. There's a lot of plot. There's not a lot of story. Like, it's just like not a lot of characters are... They're all misconceiving things. So it all really depends. For me, at least, it's... it's. I just love this movie scene by scene. Like, I love all the scenarios these people are put in and then watching them, like, just be in them and try to get out of them. So yeah, it was really just a big kind of cast movie, which they involved a lot of improv and on the DVD, they had a lot of fun stuff of the cast just doing interviews, talking about like how fun it was making the movie. Frances McDormand, she said she liked it because it was almost like the subject matter of the movie was basically almost the stuff you would find in a teen sex comedy, but it was about middle-aged people. And she's like, you just (laughs) never get that. Uh Like it's about a middle-aged people and it's a sex comedy, but it's not like ironic. It's not like, look at all these old people fucking, you know, like it's not, it's not that kind of thing where it's like, oh, they're so old. It's gross. It's like, you just, you never see a movie like this where everyone's sleeping with each other and infidelity and, you know, there's a lot of sex involved, but everybody's like in their mid forties. Some people are almost 50, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people are gorgeous, but not everybody is you know what i mean absolutely um so i thought that was pretty funny just to hear kind of them say that and i just i love the i kind of mentioned it over but i just love that whole theme of any i don't even know if you want to call it a theme but the idea of just idiots who are in over their heads <laughs> when done right it's so funny <laughs> and the coen brothers really kind of get that sense of humor hmm. um, i can't wait to show you some more of their comedies like i don't know how you're gonna respond to raising arizona but it's so funny <laughs> that's not Nicholas Cage it's so good oh yeah. it's their Cage? second movie and it's so silly it's it's silly as fuck nice and yeah I mean that's pretty much it on the background like I was saying they wrote this all for their basically their friends they had never worked with Brad Pitt or John Malkovich before but they were always kind oh. of there on their bucket list of actors they wanted to work with that's fine and those guys are such big stars that it's easy to write for them even if you don't know them you know yeah and uh, a lot of the I know at least George Clooney and Brad Pitt they both responded like when they got the script they said they loved it but when they heard the Coens like sent it with a note saying like I wrote this specifically for you they were both like thank you you know like because both actors both characters are so goddamn stupid <laughs> that they're just like he's like is that a compliment that he thought i'd be uh, perfect for the role you know? <laughs> um, no i just want to expand your acting horizons yeah exactly but i mean i love it i i i feel like brad pitt doesn't do comedy too often and i think he's really good at it why doesn't he is fight club not a comedy no oh <laughs> I mean, it has funny moments, but it's not a comedy. Oh, I thought Ooh. it was. I, thought I mean, it was... yes, yes, it is. Oh. And we're going to be doing it next week. <laughs> Buckle I, up for some laughs. I thought it was one of those like comedies where like people fight and it's like gory, but it's like fun still. Like Mortal Kombat? Uh, yeah. Nah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Freaking John Malkovich oh. is such a great name <laughs> like yeah. 
I mean, yes, he is great, but like also his name. Is uh, there a Malkovich. movie called Malkovich? Being John Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're That's gonna, what we're I watch that too. Oh. <laughs> wow. I got a lot on my list for this podcast. Am I a psychic? Mm, I'm just getting I like guess. senses from the universe. Yeah. Mm, I'm getting a Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into the plot, I guess just to, we could just do some overall thoughts on the characters because there's so many. Uh, yeah. Or I guess even just the actors in them. Um. Yes. Um, I love Francis. I love John. I love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, love everyone. <laughs> I love Richard Jenkins who plays uh, Ted. Yeah, Ted. He's pretty great too. <laughs> I that guy like he has. I know I've seen him in a million things, yeah, but I can't name what I've seen him in. He reminds me of like the more famous version of the guy who plays Ted's dad in Bill and Ted. Wait, isn't he? No, it's not him. Oh. They just look alike. They do look alike. (laughs) Okay. Dudes. I mean, fellow policemen. My son, Ted Theodore Logan, and his friend, Bill S. Preston Esquire, have been murdered and replaced by evil robots from the future. You totally did it, dude. I totally possessed my dad. Richard Jenkins is way more famous than oh, that guy. Well, you didn't see Step Brothers, right, with Will Ferrell? I did. He's he, the dad. He's the dad in that. Yeah. He was in The Shape of Water. Did you see that? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he's in tons of stuff. He's a total hey, that guy. But, yeah, he's great. <laughs> but even Brad Pitt just playing this role. Like, I don't know. What the fuck? Well, I, I don't know. Where, who gave him this direction to act the way he acts? But it makes me laugh. Listen, I was really happy. One of the reasons why I was happy to watch this movie when I saw like Brad Pitt in his role in this role specifically is be- is so I could finally know where the memes and the gifts come from. Oh, there's a lot from this movie. Yeah. Uh, like him like being excited with his arms. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. finally know the source <laughs> of that. Finally. That's funny. Those that would uh, be a great gift. <laughs> I was like, it's the outfit. It's the outfit. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much wears it almost the whole movie. <laughs> his thing. All star cast. Yeah. All right, screw it. Let's just jump into it then. So what I like about the start of this movie is it almost, I don't know if it's done deliberately, but if, to me it seems like it's almost trying to trick you into not knowing it's a comedy because nothing's really funny for the first like 12 minutes. Listen, when I... Okay. Listen, yeah, let me, get, <laughs> let me get it from the newbie here. Um. Okay, I'm sorry. So <laughs> it, they start out with those spy movie cr- opening credits. Yeah, it's the Jason Bourne credits, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is the Jason yeah, Bourne yeah. credits. So, I mean, for someone who's coming in not knowing anything about this movie, like they... All, all you know is I'm like, I'm going to pick something light and funny. Yeah, but I wasn't expecting this. Like, especially, you know, they, like you said, set the tone for something completely different. So I was fooled. Yeah. And Whether then, I liked it or not, wait and listen. <laughs> and they're already listening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in now. <laughs> yeah, but even that, just like, also it's starting with him getting demoted at his job for having a drinking problem. And John Malkovich. Yes. And then uh, I forgot most of, he's Osborne Cox, but I forgot a lot of the characters' names. So I might just be using the Whoa. Act- actors. Oh, if you forgot them, there's <laughs> no hope for All right, us. Well, he plays Osborne Cox. He's like a CIA <laughs> analyst. And he's getting demoted for having a drinking problem. And then he just up and quits out of like pride, basically, because he mm-hmm. thinks that he thinks it's all like political and it's like a power move or some shit. You know, basically, right. it shows that he's not 100 percent doing all right because mm-hmm. he's been drinking a lot. He's clearly suffers some kind of paranoia if he immediately jumps into like a conspiracy theory. Right. And then goes home and tells his wife, who's played by Tilda Swinton, who's 
just seems like icy. Oof. Yeah, she does not seem open at like warm at not all. Not at all. She, like no concern about his well being mentally or anything. It's just like, where's the money gonna come from? Yeah, like I think <laughs> we... as, as soon as she finds out he's out of a job, and then oh, he says he wants to start writing his memoirs, <laughs> and she like laughs at the idea that anyone even want to read it. Mad cold. Uh, but yeah, she's just immediately like, oh, you're gonna spend my money now that you're you're not making money, like. All this stuff. And, that, and that's what I mean where the movie almost tricks you because none of this is funny. Like, right. it's not... It's almost like, a, like am I watching, like, a Noah Baumbach marriage story? Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, she was mad cold and very... I just got the vibe that she's just very um, classist in a way. Yeah. You know, she's very concerned about the dinner party they're about to have and just how they come off to people. Yeah. It just seemed like she wasn't really in this marriage at all. Like, this marriage didn't start out from love. No, <laughs> at all. Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Because we then go into the dinner party, which is where we meet George Clooney. He's at the party, you know, kind of talking about nonsense for a mm-hmm. while. Uh, what is he? He's like an air marshal or something? Like a U.S. air marshal? No, I thought he was a tax guy. No, because he talks about how he's had his gun for 20 years on the service oh, and never right. discharged it once. Yeah. Or I know he's an ex-marshal, so maybe he's a tax guy now. Yeah. But anyway, he's an ex-marshal, so he's talking about how, you know, I've had my gun for 20 years. And then he's like, you know, the other guy was like, oh, I'd be thinking about it all the time. And he's like, no, the thing is, you don't think about it. It's all muscle memory and this and that, from which, the... which is hilarious <laughs> going from him. Yeah. From the very first moment he came on screen, I did not trust him. Yeah. He just kind of, even like the way he like eats is weird. And like... <laughs> That's what I mean by like it's an actor's movie. Like, is this even in the script? Because he would just kind of like eat something and then kind of like tug on his collar, like almost like he's like making room in his throat. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> but yeah, he sneaks off and you find out he's he's having an affair with Tilda Swinton, right? Osborne Cox's uh, thing, and he's married to his wife. Does so like some children's books or something. Yeah. And again, still no real comedy. Like he's funny, but like the movie's not funny. You know yeah. what I mean? By the way, the actress who plays his wife, I definitely know her from something. Mm, I don't know who that is. Elizabeth Marvel. Homeland. Law and Order. Law and Order. She's Rita Calhoun, Dr. And Frank. House of Cards. Uh, House of Cards, Heather Dunbar. You watch that more than I do, but Oh my um, god. Or you did. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Comments on how it ended for another yeah. time. But yes, he just rubbed me the wrong way from the very beginning. He had this, like you said, he he had this weird twitch to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this guy is not good. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew something was up with him. But at this point, like, it's really unclear who I'm supposed to be rooting for here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really know. <laughs> Oh, actually, one of the comments that I wrote down is, is this Ocean's Eleven? Like, what's... There's so many people in right? this movie. <laughs> as, as the only way George Clooney will do a movie is if <laughs> 13 other people are starring in it also. <laughs> oh, is it Ocean's 13? Well, that's like the sequels. There's Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Oh. One thing the beginning of this movie always gives me the vibes of, and also just later parts of the movie is... Do you remember when I had you watch that Stanley Kubrick movie, Dr. Strangelove? the black and white one about the, the setting off yes, the nuke. Yes, yes. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit where it's like all these high government official people. Absolutely. And then dealing with an absurd situation but playing it straight the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. So I kind of found this to be almost like an homage to that movie, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny and uh, he went and did a silly thing well I'll tell you what he did he ordered his planes 
to attack your country. Uh, well, let me finish, Dimitri. Let me finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak to you. Of course I like to say hello. Not now, but any time, Dimitri. I'm just calling up to tell you something terrible has happened. Let me tell you what I thought this movie was going to be about. Yeah. I thought it was going to be about Malkovich's character writing a book, but having so much hate towards the agency that just fired him that he was writing a book to sort of like expose like all the things that they don't want the world to know. Oh, really? And so I thought it was going to be like something about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the one thing this movie, it almost like punishes you for getting invested in anything. That's, 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 that's mm. kind of how I'll describe this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I said some of my friends just didn't like it because they felt like the movie was like <laughs> making fun of them, you know? Uh-huh. So yeah, you, you can kind of tell these guys have some intertwined lives that we'll get back to classic cheating storyline. And then that's when we cut to good old Linda Litsky, Frances McDormand at the at the plastic surgeon. What a way to intro her. Oh my god. That was amazing. That that was funny on the DVD in her interview. She was like, when when they gave me the script and told me the part, like her first page of the script, it was like close up of a woman's ass, pale comma bear comma middle age and, and she's like why would i keep reading after that <laughs> wow but yeah so you're just getting all these like super close-ups on her like flabby areas and you find out that she has like all these aspirations of all so much cosmetic surgery yeah to change the way she looks and get out there so she's clearly having like an identity crisis of some kind yeah which i for some reason and it's not only because of this scene but throughout the movie i knew it took place in dc uh-huh. but for some reason i was getting a lot of la vibes and i don't know why if it's because i just watched selling sunset oh and maybe like, all the plastic surgery oh you like them. buy a house and you get a fucking free liposuction or something right, right. yeah yeah <laughs> botox and burgers or whatever and then <laughs> uh, and then you know them working at a gym and like I just got a lot of L.A. vibes, especially with Brad Pitt's character not being the brightest, like this kind of stereotypical. I could see that. And like her just weird affectations, especially when you know Frances McDormand, how good she and the actress is. Right. I I purposely, after we finished watching, I watched a couple of scenes on YouTube from Three Billboards Uh because I wanted to remember her playing that character. (laughs) And I was like, fuck, she is so good. I don't know how she could talk that fast. Like Linda Litsky and then, I forget her name in Three Billboards. Yeah, I forget. It's like a completely different hue. Yeah. I know I'm just saying an actor is good at acting and it's not that amazing, (laughs) but she's got that good. She transforms. Yeah. I don't know how you, I don't know how you could talk that fast. <laughs> it just doesn't even sound like she's reciting lines from a script. Yeah. Like she just sounds like a person, like we're capturing a person on camera. Yeah, I know. You know? But like such like a weird neurotic person. Like yeah. you know like the, she would just do this kind of like stare off and then talk really fast kind mm-hmm. of deal. I loved it. Yeah. Got a Linda Litsky. What a funny name. <laughs> I don't know, you know. I'm Linda Litsky. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, we find out that she's on dating apps, kind of going out with uh, these duds of dudes. Right. You know. Um, I feel like that was based on a real site. I feel like there is a dating website like that where only the guys share the pictures. I think so, too. And also, I, I did have to remember that. Like, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but 2008, was, like, that was the year the iPhone came out. So 
I think dating apps and phones changed everything and made it so normal. Absolutely. Now it's like almost weirder if you don't meet with the help of an app. But like I think back then it was getting more normalized, but it was still kind of a stigma on online Absolutely. dating. Absolutely. That was like, like the Match.com yeah. eHarmony era. I remember growing. I was in high school and it was 2004 or five. And we found out one of the substitute teachers was on a dating site. Oh, man. Oh, it was brutal. Like, like I don't really remember too much of like that making fun of him to his face, but everybody made fun of him. Like, oh, you know, like, I still remember because I still remember he wrote in his in his description. He's like, I'm a social butterfly. And so all the kids immediately was like, oh, you have social butterfly like as your sub, you know, I love I don't. Is it a suburban thing? Like, I love that you have so many like scenarios that happen in your life that are like f- from the movies like, oh this happens in reality yeah, i'm not even gonna say his name because i think it's mean so i'm just gonna keep it at that but be like mr blank is a social butterfly oh, uh, no. he, he dates online what a fucking loser you know like, i hope he found someone i hope so too oh. um <laughs> The hell are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the dating, we're talking about oh, yeah. her character. Oh yeah, yeah. And she's uh so yeah, she goes She's on a that, social butterfly. Yeah, she goes on that date with that dud who doesn't laugh at the rom com like a loser. Oh with Dermot Mulroney. He seemed like <laughs> was he going through did he he seemed like he was widowed. He looked like he just walked off the set of Zodiac, which came out the same year. Ooh. And because like that guy looked like he could have been fucking a btk killer or some shit he looks so creepy yeah. see this is another case of me investing in things that didn't matter at all uh thanks cohen brothers so what? because she looks in his wallet after they sleep together which first of all how did they even get there like that That's was a so terrible fun. date well I, I put it as like you know when you're in 2008 dating site in your 40s it's almost like you take what you can get like i don't think you're like you're you're just like eh, it wasn't as long as it's not awful you kind of just see it through. I'm not saying it's, a, I'm not saying it's fun. Just saying that's it just it cut is. to them in bed and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but she she goes, she kind of snoops in his wallet uh-huh. and she pulls out a piece of paper that's like, pick up something. Or it was just like a note. It looked like a reminder. Oh, to me, that made it seem like that was showing us that he was married because I oh. looked like his wife left him a note to pick something up before he came home. Well, because he was so depressed on the date, I thought it was an keepsake from his wi- oh. his dead wife <laughs> oh, so he yeah. wasn't like he hadn't gone over her somehow. Oh, okay i just thought it was to show that she keeps dating losers in the sense that nobody with any future prospects oh. like this is a guy who's married who's just trying to like bang someone yeah. else on the side but again it doesn't matter but again i got fooled yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh uh, yeah that's great and then we see she works at hard bodies gym mm-hmm. who her manager is ted who is played by not 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 Ted's dad. <laughs> Ted played by not Ted's dad. <laughs> uh, Richard Jenkins. And then Brad Pitt playing Chad, who's goddamn hilarious. He friggin' looks like a Chad. I love Chad in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, it just makes me laugh, their friendship. Because I can't figure out what Brad Pitt's age is supposed to be in this movie. Because, <laughs> to me, he's playing it with the energy of, like, a 25-year-old. Yeah. But he's Brad Pitt in 2008, so he's way too old to be playing a 25-year-old. So, like... Is he like is he supposed to be thirty five? Like how old is Chad? I think he's to... like early thirties, like thirty two. So? He was forty five. No, in that role, he was born in nineteen sixty three. Wow. Because to me, it, it almost seems like it like it's like a weird dynamic of like how are him and Francis McDormand that close? 
like because i've had jobs like that we work with people with varying ages and like you become like buddies but like the way that they like pop over each other's houses and shit like that yeah like they were almost like best friends and i was just like because to me like bad pitt's energy made him seem so much younger than her Mm -hmm. so i just thought it was like a funny friendship for the two of them to like be that close right but if he's 45 jesus christ i just think ted had great work culture that he implemented at the gym you think so <laughs> i really liked uh their friendship yeah though. they had a funny yeah like he would check out the dates on the on the website with her and like help her pick people out i feel like you could have done a whole spin-off show or movie just in that gym alone yeah <laughs> like just the characters <laughs> who work there oh yeah oh, i would watch a hard bodies tv show <laughs> hard just, bodies that's yeah. what it's called red pit is just such a goddamn doof <laughs> the i like i was reading a lot of stuff with the, uh from the um wardrobe designer mm-hmm. and they were talking about like the challenge of turning brad pitt and george clooney like into like <laughs> suburban dorks basically that's funny and so like with with george clooney they always they always had his like shirt tucked in a little too tight like his <laughs> pants were always a little higher than they should have been like he was always in these like pl- like plaid shirts they, they really just wanted to make him just seem like the suburban loser <laughs> And uh, and then Brad Pitt just with that hair, like those weird streaks, <laughs> the like they, frosted tips. They were or just whatever. like, it's so funny, just trying to like turn these two like <laughs> gorgeous men into into like losers, you know. The copy that was written for George Clooney's character, I thought was hilarious because like every after every single thing he did, ah, I could sneak a run in. Yeah, like, yeah. Just... I feel like it was every time he had sex. Like, yeah, you know, like he it just, was. He would just get changed right after finishing sex, and he like touch his gut, and he'd be like, I think I have time to get a run in. <sighs> <laughs> at first it made me roll my eyes but i just i think that line got me every single time <laughs> i love that yeah he, he's so funny this is gonna be a movie that is a mouthful because like i said it's a lot of plop and not a lot of story <laughs> but basically the inciting incident is john malkovich's wife tilda swinton decides she's gonna divorce him because she's already been cheating on him for a while so she doesn't she doesn't love him for a long time right but him losing his job to her seems like the perfect like reason to do it mm-hmm. so she starts basically low-key getting into all the finances that they have together and kind of freezing him out so that way when they get a divorce you know he'll uh, there'll be less for him to like split in half because some of it will already be hers and all this other basically some sneaky ass shit yeah after watching a mar- marriage story i'm just i know <laughs> seeing oh, this i'm just Jesus. like Oof. i know it's crazy <laughs> Through that, she gets a copy of his memoirs, which are on a CD, which then she gives to her assistant, who then goes to Hard Bodies, yeah. who then leaves the CD behind, <laughs> and it's found by the cleaning guy, who's pretty hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's, I found it on the floor. Uh, <laughs> yes, I found it. I forget what he said. Manolo, you didn't find this. I find it on the floor there. Well, yeah, I know, but... Right there, on the floor there. Just lying there. And then that's when everyone at Hard Bodies finds it and they can't read it. They don't understand it at all. It just looks like gibberish. But for mm-hmm. some reason, Brad Pitt is just convinced that it's top level CIA shit. <laughs> I don't know, his, his whole reading of this scene just gets me every time. I'm just like, he's so fucking stupid. But like he's trying to act like he's like, oh, this is like extra level clearance shit. <laughs> Talking about sig int and signals and shit and signals means code you know he was just lying there. talking here about department heads and their names and shit and then there's these other files that are just like numbers arrayed numbers and dates and numbers and numbers and dates and numbers and 
I think that's the shit, man. The raw intelligence. I believed him. Oh, yeah. Oh, where were you in this scene? And like, you know, Ted wants nothing to do with it, but then he starts trying to figure out where the whole thing came from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, I don't want anything to do with this. I think it's because of him falling for it. You know, everybody outside of Brad Pitt falling for it that it yeah. made me feel like it was a real thing that was happening. It, it could have which, been. Which fed into my theory about, you know, Malkovich's character... Oh yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. That's what. That's the mindset that I was. See, in. I can't remember. I can't. It's been. I've seen this movie so many times. I can't put myself on the mindset of forgetting <laughs> what it is. So knowing like how how everything's a misunderstanding, I, I can't yeah. even watch it. Yeah, I'm like, taking everything by like. Yeah. What you give me is truth. You so, know. So yeah, that leads us to probably one of the biggest comedy scenes in the movie where they find out it's John Malkovich's belongings and then it's the middle of the night and <laughs> Brad Pitt and Francis McDormand call John Malkovich. First, I love they don't even have malicious intent. Their whole idea is we're going to tell him we have his stuff and then he'll probably give us a reward. Yep. But they're just so stupid and they have no tact at all that it just immediately erupts into basically extortion. And I, yeah. Oh, it's so fucking... It doesn't weird. help that What's-His-Name has an anger ma management Oh, problem. yeah. John Malkovich blows up every second. <laughs> That's what I love about his character. As tragic, like, for the most part until the end, he doesn't really do anything wrong. But you could just tell the way he reacts to stuff that you just can't be on his side because yeah. he's such a dick. And he's just one of those guys where it's just so funny to watch him get frustrated. Like, <laughs> you know, I had, like, uncles like that. You know what I mean? Where, like, <laughs> like we as kids, it was just so funny to watch them explode. He would just <laughs> piss them off all day. And then eventually, once they would start yelling and throwing shit, he'd be like, ah, I got him. <laughs> so John, John Malkovich seems like that a little bit. Sorry, that image is <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he's just like imagining you and like your cousins being like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck these detours are killing me so what did you think of this the scene i just wanted brad pitt to get the words out he was just talking <laughs> so slow i understand where the frustration came from but uh but <laughs> I, I i thought this scene was hilarious it is, when you watch it again like malkovich he starts off like genuinely like like what is this? Like, you know, like he really yeah. wants to know. And then somewhere along the line, just clicks that he's talking to a fucking idiot. Yeah. He just gets so mad. He's like, I just thought you were worried about the you know, <laughs> security of your shit. <laughs> and I love how he keeps like saying, it's like Osborne Cox. <laughs> and like trying to be all. But I did um, enjoy watching, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the real characters' names, but uh, Frances sort of take control of the call. Yeah. Which, and because she's so passionate about getting this reward for her surgery, yeah, she really goes there. You know what I mean? Like, she takes control just so she could get this. So, like, her passion for wanting to get the surgery just helps drive this whole scen crazy scenario home. Yeah. Uh, it's... <laughs> In general, this whole movie, if I were to sum it up into a sentence, yeah. it would be a question, how did we get here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's really how I sum up this whole uh, experience. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, there's almost so much point by points. I almost just want to go over like big moments and things like that. For sure. And uh, the other big moment that I remember was in all the trailers and all that was um, Brad Pitt and Malkovich in the car where uh, they think, you know, Brad Pitt thinks he's getting the money and Malkovich thinks he's getting the information. 
And yeah. I remember that was probably my biggest laugh at the time, the first time I saw it, of just when he... He's like, I'm going to send you your head spinning faster than the wheels on your Schwinn bicycle. He's like, you think that's a Schwinn? <laughs> <laughs> and then he punches him in the face. <laughs> Even just the way Brad Pitt gets hit, he's just like, ow! <laughs> you dick. He played it in a way where, yes, he was an idiot, but I sympathized with him. I, uh, I guess so. I don't know. I didn't feel like there was any like malicious... He was... Because uh, like... The, Think about it from John Malkovich's break. And also, he was in the CIA for so long. Like, this could be something serious. You know what I mean? And then to just realize this is like a moron weighing over his head. Like, right. Like, that's why when he yells at him on the phone, he's like, You don't know what you're like getting yourself into here. (laughs) He just starts explaining to him the crimes. And Mm -hmm. he's like, You know, like, how how long you go to jail for this? Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Just the way he just keeps, like, saying his name. He's like, Osborne Cox. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, appearances can be deceiving. <laughs> like, no, he doesn't over... even say deceiving. Oh, he doesn't? He says appearances can be deceptive. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> it was, like, not the right word. Like I said, like, nobody's in the same plot for too long. Everyone, oh, my God. Everyone always thinks something's wrapped. Like... John Malkovich doesn't even think of this again until his ex-boss comes up to him and he's like, they went to the Russians with the... (laughs) 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 Oh, that's how fucking stupid these people are. They go to the Russian embassy. Because once you realize that the information is just the beginning of his memoir, him writing his memoir, the fact that they go to the Russians with this information, (laughs) in quotes, is... And also, I remember just finding it even funny in 2008, because, like, I mean, nowadays with Trump and all that shit, we're getting some talk about Russia doing some nefarious things, but uh, in 2008, nobody was talking about Russia. Like, yeah. like Russia was our enemies, like, for so many years back yeah. in the day, like, that's why every movie, the bad guys are Russians and all this shit, Russian, Russia, Russia. So I just find it funny that, like, for these two characters, they just, like, probably thought back to when they were kids, where they were like, well, we're always fighting with Russia, so let's give it to our enemies, who are the Russians, and, like, I just thought that was so funny. You know, in 2008, we're in the middle of the war on terror, like, yeah. if you, it, it would have been, you know, we're giving it to Iraq or Afghanistan, right. or so, you know. So the I, Russians? Yeah. <laughs> Two things on the Russian embassy bit, Uh if I can, if I may. (laughs) One, it was so crazy in 2020 to see, like, I know he's been around for a long time, but to see the portrait of Putin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. (laughs) That was pretty crazy. And two, the first guy they talked to at the Russian embassy, I know he's been in a million movies, usually as a Russian bad guy, but... For me, what I recognized him from was being the villain from Home Alone 3. <laughs> wow, Home Alone 3. <laughs> With Scarlett Johansson. I know, I was going to say, that's the only notable thing about that movie. Is that Scar- <laughs> Not the, no, the kid went on to star in Max Keeble's Big Move. Oh, what a star. <laughs> I wonder where he's at now. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I recognized him from that. But, all right, I'm going to jump around a little bit. All right. Jumping back to George Clooney's character, he's having an affair with Oz. Oz, who? What's her name? I forget her name, but Osborne, Mrs. Cox. Mrs. Cox. <laughs> he's having an affair with Mrs. Cox. But you also see that he's. She's not the only woman oh, yeah, he's, he's having just, an affair he's just, with. He just loves banging random girls. Like, okay, I so, and you kind of get glimpses of how he is at home with his wife and stuff. And he's building the sketchy thing in the basement. Yeah, right? like you always see, like 
That's part of the thing where you're like, I don't trust him because they, yes. they you always see him in the basement or like going to Home Depot buying like PVC pipes. Yeah, and, shit. and then so you, they show him sleeping around with these other women. So I thought that he was murdering these women <laughs> and hiding them in his basement and killing them in the basement. Like that's, that's what I thought great. that was going on. I love it. That's probably. I mean, it's probably what the Cobras want you to think, like something like that. You know? Yeah, because one of the women he actually ends up going out with is Francis. Yep. They meet on the dating site yeah, yeah. and they meet in the park and they go to the movie and the whole time i was scared for her because i was like oh my god he's gonna murder her <laughs> that's what i thought the that's entire so time funny. if your husband is building something in the basement and not letting you know what it is well he did say it's like it's a surprise for you and like i'll show you when it's done i think he says oh did he yeah, yeah. i i was already out of there uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like oh he's a murderer um, i'm bouncing but it does, it's not even that long until the movie it's probably like right around the halfway point where we finally see the reveal of that thing so what, what was your reaction to that i was waiting to see what you thought jesus <laughs> so Christ. he goes down to show francis mcdormand i went from don't go in the cage he's going to murder you in that chair to like seeing what the chair did and being like are you freaking so what, kidding what me? did you what did you believe when you saw when when he was like, because he talks about it before he shows it to her, and he's yeah. like, I, he's like, I saw an ad for this in a gentleman's magazine, and they asked twelve hundred bucks, and I figured I could make it for a hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, like, what did you think it was gonna be? Like, you just don't think it was a murder? Yeah, device? I thought it was a murdering device. I thought he was just trying to get her into the chair so he <laughs> she could lock device. so he could lock her in there. <laughs> and then he pulls it back, and it's a rocking chair with a hole in the crotch area, which is a big ass dildo that, that pops up in time. Because <laughs> I remember you like audibly made a noise when the dildo popped up and you were like oh like i, I don't remember <laughs> i don't remember what you did but you made some kind of noise you're like oh okay <laughs> like <laughs> i that's uh, not yeah. what i was expecting based on all his actions and stuff i mean they don't like go into it because it's not really that kind of movie but i just think he's like a sex addict this guy because uh... even even when he's because he ends up moving in uh tilda swinton kicks out john malkovich and changes the locks mm -hmm. and then George Clooney moves in with him while his wife's moves sorry, moves in with her while his wife's out of town. Mm -hmm. And then later when they get into a fight and he storms out, the one thing he grabs is like his sex triangle. Like it's like that that purple uh yeah. cushion. It's used for like sex positions. You know? So like that's like the one thing he grabs. So like I think yeah. I think like everyone's got their own weird problems in this movie and he's like some crazy like sex addict who's just always gotta be like Yeah. You know, he has like no ability for real emotions and he just needs to be having sex all the time he definitely has some weird going on on top of that because that twitch is not normal yes <laughs> i love the character choice but uh, oh man i did not trust him and uh and he <laughs> i wrote down george clooney is crazy talks way too fast <laughs> yeah he talks that fast <laughs> and he's always just giving false promises to everybody like he told Tilda Swinton that he was going to get divorced so they could be together, even though he's, like, cheating on her with, like, other women. Yeah. And he's always telling her, like, I love you, baby. Like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So he's all kind of, he's out of it. And just the way, like, he would, like, grab Francis on the arm. I just, I was getting, like, all the wrong vibes. They totally fooled yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, basically all these people's lives are, like, slowly unraveling, but all due to events that aren't really truly related to each other. Mm. The only thing we didn't really mention is also uh, throughout the whole movie, uh, George Clooney keeps feeling like someone's spying on him. Like he feels like he sees cars following him or people yeah. parked on his block. And, uh, you know, it even gets to the point where 
he think he starts walking towards one of the cars and it starts and does a U-turn as soon as he starts coming towards it. Yeah. So he's his paranoia is building throughout the movie as well. Totally. So there's always like a sense of like unease with him oh. and uh, and all this stuff. And John Malkovich is just like trying to figure out why he's being like extorted, but there's no seems to be no motive. Yeah. Well, again, I have another theory here. <laughs> I thought that Malkovich had somehow figured out his wife was cheating on him. Uh-huh. with george clooney and i thought he was the one following george clooney around. that's so funny i was just n- wrong at every turn in i this think movie. that's the point of the movie <laughs> that's kind of why i love it cause... but were you this like, oh did yeah you... totally okay. I, I was i was following it very, the very first time like so intently okay. and then i just think you know we'll get to it in the spoiler section but i just think when the movie is said and done you're either the kind of person who is gonna laugh like, like, legitimately laugh and be like, wow, you know, you fucking got me. Or you're going to be a person who's going to be like, fuck you, what a waste of time. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, it, I, it's not for everybody, but um, we'll kind of get to that. I, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one making all these weird theories up and that you were actually yeah. doing that in the not theater. Not the same theories, but yeah, same thing where I just Ooh. thought... I just I don't remember what it was, it was twelve years ago. Oh. I'm just saying I I just remember thinking every moment had more gravitas and weight to it because mm-hmm. you know especially you know I loved Coen Brothers but I did just come off No Country for Old Men where it is like that where mm-hmm. it's like oh why did he pick that up like why did he give him that look you know it's like it's everything's nuanced and you can't look away from the screen or you're gonna miss something important right and then this is just kind of like it almost like makes fun of you for watching it closely mm. you know <laughs> right. <laughs> Also, another funny thing with the wardrobe designer, she mentioned this putting this uh, Brad Pitt in the suit that he wears whenever he has to go like undercover uh-huh. is uh, that was another personal challenge she made for herself where she's like, I have to make Brad Pitt look bad in a suit. Oh. And so they purposely got like the cheapest suit they could get. Like it, that was like a brown like thrift store suit for like twenty thirty dollars. She got it oversized in like the wrong ways, so like it fit in the shoulders. <laughs> But the uh, like the sleeves the were sleeves probably too were long. a little too long. They made him a tie from scratch and made that way too long. And they wanted to make him feel like a little kid in like a suit. But they kept saying how like we kept having to make it more like over the top because he just kept pulling it off. Like whatever we kept putting like bad clothes on this guy and he would just look so good. And we'd Jesus like, God Christ. damn it, Brad! <laughs> Freaking Brad Pitt! I believe that hundred percent. <laughs> Um, and to be clear, he the reason why he wore the suit was to sort of spy on Malkovich or Mr. Oz, so that way they can try and get yeah, their yeah. reward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. When Francis McDormand, when they drop off the quote-unquote info with the Russian intelligence, they say, like, we can get you more. And then so that's when they decide that they have to, like, break into Osborne Cox's house to get more intelligence. Meanwhile... The British, the Russian embassy, in the meantime, is looking at this info and learning that it's garbage. So right. it's like they don't even want more. Like you know, like that was on yeah. them. Where and also at this point, he's not even living there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, how did we get here? Uh, all right. So as silly as this movie is, though, there are certain things to not be spoiled. So I think it's time to jump into a spoiler section. Yeah, let's just do it. So. It's definitely not a plot twist, but there is one r- pretty shocking moment that no one ever sees coming in this movie, and including you, based on your reaction last <laughs> night. But, uh, so yeah, we get, a lot of this movie's just been, like, low-stakes hijinks. Like, people's, like, personal lives have been ruined, but still pretty low-stakes, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, divorce, this and that. And Brad Pitt, you know, he's breaking into Osborne Cox's house for the information, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Just walking around snooping like a friggin' idiot. But meanwhile, we know George Clooney's just on his uh, posts post fucking run 
where he goes on a run, you know, doing one of those. Yeah. So we're getting that classic tension scene where he's looking through the house and George, we know as an audience that George Clooney's coming home any second. Right. Where were you in this moment? Like at this point? (laughs) Well, this was multi-layered too because Brad Pitt did see a car outside sort of spying on the property too. Yeah. So like you don't really know what's going on. Exactly. (laughs) So Um, yeah, I was just waiting. The biggest... This this right here was a huge plot twist because after a five mile run, George Clooney comes in the house. Brad Pitt's already in the house and he finds a closet to hop into and hide. Right? Yeah. George Clooney comes upstairs, <laughs> hops in the shower yep. for a good five seconds and hops right out. <laughs> yep. What? That was not a shower, sir. Maybe that I, was not a shower. I agree with you, but maybe maybe that's my theory. Maybe no soap was involved. So check it I'm out. sorry. Yes, <laughs> he. We've established he runs every time he has sex, and we established that he's a sex addict. <laughs> so you have to do the math and think that he's fucking more than once a day on average, which means he's running more than once a day on average. Which means maybe he takes his full shower at night, and he just knows after he because he might be running five miles two or three times a day. So uh-huh. he just needs to. Jump in there, get some water on himself, maybe just a quick body wash over the top of the head or shampoo, dry off, get the sweat and the stink off, and then at the end of the night, you take on your full shower. There was not enough time <laughs> for a drop of shampoo to come out of the bottle Well, also, in I mean, the amount, in the, how short right, of a time. I, I agree. I'm just trying <laughs> to play devil's advocate. I know, because, you know, Brad Pitt's peeking through the closet to see, like, how he can escape. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little but did I know. I mean, yo, George Clooney's been so weird up to this point. Maybe he's weird with showers. Uh, yeah, like, I think he's definitely. I think it was showers. more impressive. The second he leaves for his five mile run is when Brad Pitt gets in the house, uh-huh. and he's able to knock out that five mile run and then come back before Brad Pitt's even done Ooh. searching upstairs. I didn't even think about that because I'm looking. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> like, like ten minute mile is like like close to average. So he's a great runner. He's probably doing like seven minute miles. Yeah, still he's doing five. Like that's <laughs> you know you're coming up on. Damn, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so you're talking about shower time. I'm talking about I'm talking about run time. Yeah, here. but I mean, I I would have liked to be more impressed with his shower time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, um, that wasn't really a plot twist. Yeah, but no, for me, not a plot it was twist ridiculous. Anyway, so it hasn't been brought up from the beginning, but if I, I noticed this more on the rewatch, but you remember that him talking about being an air marshal having his gun for 20 years and this and that and that's when brad pitt looks over and sees the holster empty in the closet yeah and then you see george clooney grab something from the drawer open the door brad gives the weirdest goofiest smile i've ever seen in my life and then just immediately gets shot right in the head blood everywhere and just dead right on the spot i was not expecting blood in this movie because this is like three quarters of the way yeah yeah we're pretty far (laughs) into the movie and I just love, so like Clooney, every time he talks about his past and his job in the movie, he's has such confidence about, I had the gun, you know, it's muscle memory, like you, you, your instincts take over, it's all training, like I'm ready for any scenario. <laughs> and like, he's confronted with one second of like insanity. He shoots this guy in the head 
then immediately sprints down all the stairs, <laughs> runs to the kitchen, gets a knife, and then puts himself in the corner and just holds the knife out. And then it takes him like 10 minutes to get upstairs and investigate. Like, it's all everything you're not supposed to do under training, I presume. Like, I don't yeah. think you're supposed to panic. Like, shoot, not check out what you shot, run away, grab a weapon, and like, cow, you know? Like, right. And also, if you shot at the person, like, they're not going to come running after you. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> Uh, yes i agree with everything you just said and then because he's been so paranoid with the guy watching him he thought that this was another spy sent by the same yeah because he didn't have any info on him yeah yeah i forget the term that he used he called him a spook which was like yeah like a spy like a you know Mm -hmm. like a ghost basically Um, so paranoid yeah so that that part's crazy i remember the first time i saw it too just being like what the fuck like (laughs) i was being bummed too because brad pitt was so funny yeah even when he's just sitting in the car waiting and like it's a podcast that he can't see this but he's doing the hand thing (laughs) that that fucking shit makes me laugh Uh, it's kind of similar to a dance that you do yeah him in the car watching the the spy in quotes so now everybody's just in over their heads not understanding (laughs) what's going on linda thinks that chad got kidnapped by the russians because they offered the they offered more information and didn't give it to them so she thought they were mad they don't even want the goddamn information oh my god and then meanwhile intercutting you have you cut back to the CIA with J.K. Simmons yeah, getting reports. He comes in yeah, towards the end and it's uh, Malkovich's ex-boss reporting it to him. And I like because he's just like recapping the events of the plot to him. And he's just like, wait, why did he do that? And they're like, we, we, we don't know. And like, <laughs> they went to the Russians? Yeah, like what was their motive? We can't figure that out. And like... And every time someone like dies or something, they're just like convenient, you know. Like you don't see the scene of George Clooney getting rid of the body, but they were like, you know, after after we heard the gunshot, our guy saw him sneaking the body into his truck, and then he drove it to the ravine and dumped it off. And he's like, should we arrest him for it? And he's like, nah, just leave it and just keep an eye on it. Like you know, <laughs> I love J.K. He was so funny. Yeah, he was really great. But I also like from their perspective, trying to solve and like find reasoning for all the events that are occurring it's like impossible it's impossible it's impossible <laughs> it's so funny uh, yeah it's great and they're just like wait what and like this and that uh it all culminates to like a double scene like there's kind of like two little like mini climaxes going on at the same time there's mm-hmm. what's going on with malkovich osborne cox mm-hmm. where he's so he, he he gets served with papers finding out that his wife is divorced again. We found out that he's locked out of his house. He's locked out of all his finances. He can't get to any of his bank accounts. And then so like in a rage, he goes to her house, breaks off the locks, and just starts like raiding everything, stealing the liquor, stealing all his stuff. Yep. And then that's where he finds, uh, what the hell's his name? Richard Jenkins. <laughs> yes. The gym guy. Yeah, yeah, gym yeah. Manager. Ted. Ted, Ted, yeah, yeah. And he finds Ted in the basement, who I think, who is, he was there to help linda somehow yes because linda sort of confessed to him like why brad pitt's character hasn't been showing up to work oh, like yeah. she kind of you know just oh because she said that he went to go check out that guy's house right. and so he went to go look there and then because everybody is in in a misunderstanding in this movie john malkovich thinks that he's the one sleeping with his wife and then shoots ted right there in the shoulder Gee, poor, uh, ted. poor ted um and then <laughs> runs outside and then just immediately gets clobbered in broad daylight with to death by john malkovich jesus and then while that's happening george clooney and just... and what's her name fucking linda linda 
Or uh, wa- at the park. Yeah, they're walking to the park, and that's the same park where she's been having all her like meet updates and everything. Yep. And then uh, oh, this scene just cracks me up so bad because <laughs> he's already super paranoid. She notices the guy she went on a date with earlier in the movie. Yep. And is kind of just staring at him, probably just out of like social curiosity, yeah. like, "Oh, who's he out with now?" And then that kind of like strikes George Clooney, where he's like, "What are you looking at that guy for?" Right. And then um, oh, and meanwhile they've been looking for chad so she enlisted george clooney's help to find chad so he's he's still trying to figure out where chad is and this and that little does he know he's the one who killed him yep and she's just like and she's like oh i know where he was going she was going to you know osborne cox's house the the address and everything everything, and everything just clicks and he starts thinking she's a spy and this and that and he looks around and anyone who's on a cell phone or doing anything like looks like they're all reporting to each other (laughs) <laughs> and he has full-blown paranoia, and that leads to the fucking funniest line. Who are you? Uh, I'm just... Linda Litsky. That's pretty fun. And then just like while you're all like trying to wrap your head around anything that's going on, right back to the CIA, to J.K. Simmons, where they pretty much tell you what happens after the cameras stop rolling and shit. You know, where they were like, we caught him going to Venezuela, like, you know, George Clooney. <laughs> and they're like, why? They were like, we don't even have a jurisdiction deal with them. Like, he's not even safe in Venezuela. <laughs> like, should we arrest them? And he's like, ah, just let him go. Like, like, they just seem so annoyed by the whole thing. They just want to sweep everything under the rug. They end up paying for Linda's surgery. well what i love about it is they end up bringing linda in and she like on from her perspective they're bringing her in because she's been talking to the russians (laughs) yeah yeah and And so she says yeah i'll keep my mouth shut about this whole thing if you pay for my surgery (laughs) and i just love the dynamic between jk simmons and the other guy because it's such like a boss like superior and like employer where he's just like doesn't want to give him the bad news or he's like she wants us to pay for some surgeries he's like, how much are these like well there are a number of things like, whatever just pay, pay whatever it is and, and like everything she's like her only character motivation this whole movie was to get money for the surgery and then it just it's waved away I'm just like yeah whatever pay whatever the hell she wants and, like, <laughs> and then like they're like they're like we shot osborne cox oh it's like like he's all hopeful like is he dead and he's like oh he's in a coma and he's like oh it's a shame well if he wakes up we'll deal with it then like you know <laughs> And then my favorite line, I know I just said that with Linda Linsky, was, and he's like, well, at least we learned something. What did we learn? <laughs> he's like, we learned we shouldn't do it again? Oh. Yeah. Uh, too bad I don't know what it, that is, but. <laughs> and then it just zooms out it ends. <laughs> yeah. I just. Oh, man. So that's what I mean by that ending where I almost feel like those characters are like, metaphors for people like criticizing the movie uh-huh. you know like the general audience just not understanding why they're watching this movie where they're watching it like just on the surface of the plot and not for like the comedy or the characters or uh-huh. anything like that where they're just like wait what happens and then this happens so to me that was almost it was almost i don't know if it's true i didn't like read that anywhere but i always read that as it's like a commentary on the audience watching the movie and the people who aren't going to understand why it's funny or not get the, like, the jokes on them, where they're almost frustrated by the whole experience as opposed to finding it funny. Huh. That's how I read it. Okay. For me, it kind of read as, you know, this agency that we know very little about, but is obviously portrayed a lot in the movies we watch. Yeah. They're always portrayed so seriously, and, like, they really, they really take everything into account, and they investigate everything, and I kind of just felt like it put that on its head. Yeah. And kind of like showed how like 
little they really care about like you know things that we i don't know no like, i can see that yeah yeah it just seem like a satire of how like the people in charge are kind of stupid too yeah you know? or like they're not as like high as we think yeah, that they are i can see that as well it could be both yeah yeah it could be both I think that uh, Linda's character is obviously like, I wouldn't say crazy, but she's like not like, she kind of takes things out of proportion, right? Yeah. Linda's character. Yeah. But I, f- I could kind of still relate to her and thinking like, you know, like if I just park in the wrong spot for like 30 minutes or whatever, like I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. I'm going to get a ticket, but it's like yeah. really not big deal like nobody cares you know i just felt like that was the vibe i was getting throughout the movie just like it's really not as (laughs) i know yeah like one of them like just the way i looked at the movie too it's like normally with these spy movies the transfer of information you're dealing with is always like world threatening Mm -hmm. it's like i know how to make a bomb or this and that or a virus or a computer thing and this it's treated with all the same kind of nuances of a spy movie but the only thing traded is like personal information (laughs) it's never anything it's all just like who slept with who yeah who's cheating on who like who got this who who broke you know what i mean i I just find that so funny even like ted poor ted is being told this crazy story yeah (laughs) but linda just goes out and risks his life for nothing (laughs) i know well he's like helplessly in love with with her the whole movie which was very sweet (laughs) but like Oh man! Oh, uh, I. Oh, can I? Uh, just one shout out to another scene that I find so fucking funny that mm-hmm. it's so short, but it gets me. So you know, Tilda Swinton, the whole movie. You know, we see her being super cold, but also everyone like refers to her as being like ice cold. Yes. Where they're like, you know, even when George Clooney, you could tell eventually he gets fed up with her too, and they get into a big fight. But like the whole time, we're like, she's so cold, she's so cold, and she's like a doctor, and then you finally see her job, and she's like a pediatrician, pediatrician. and she's so fucking cold with this little kid, where she was like, you better open your mouth, or I'm gonna have some words with your mother, or some, or some shit like that. That was pretty funny. And I was like, yo, she's never, like, sweet on any situation. <laughs> so that made me laugh. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, this movie was cast very well. Yeah. I believed everyone. I just, I was in the world for oh, sure. So good. But it was a ridiculous, how the hell did we get here world. Nice. But I'm ready to move on to Best Worst. As am I. Let's do it. Let's go nice and vague, because since there's tons to choose from, Best Worst character. Oh. I one of my best worst is kind of similar to that. What is it? Mine is best worst morally sane person. Oh snap! So <laughs> I had one close to that one, <laughs> where I said the best worst like gauge of morality, <laughs> like who's the yeah, best, yeah, like yeah. the most moral and the worst moral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe we'll do that. So by character, I just went more like me enjoying, like to watch them on screen, like Absolutely. like in terms of you know like that, not necessarily yeah. who I want to like be buddies with. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, so I want to just do best overall character, like not talking. Like, ab- who's your favorite? Yeah, not to talking watch. about like if you agree with what they do or Absolutely. not. Absolutely, you know, like yes, you know, like if you find George Clooney the funniest, you don't have to think it's cool that he's banging all these women. You know, mm-hmm. all right, I have to go Brad Pitt just because of the <laughs> uniqueness, with like a special honorable mention for J.K. Simmons. Oh, I just find his delivery of everything so funny. But Brad Pitt, just I'd never seen him play a role like this before or after. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, his his comedy just gets me. Uh I I feel like JK, even though he was hilarious, was in this movie so little that I'm not even like kinda That's kinda why I honorable mentioned it. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. That's fun. 
I think I'm going to end up choosing Linda as my favorite character to watch. Mm-hmm. She's great. She's out of this world. Oh. But I do freaking love seeing Malkovich get angry. <laughs> 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 I just love, they went to the Russians? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, you got, like, that's like the one time where he like, like hides the fuck. You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so I guess he'll be my honorable mention, but I freaking love Linda. On the wind bicycle. <laughs> Worst was hard for me, actually. I thought most of them were like really well, were were good for the story. So even though like I hated Tilda Swinton, like I think she did a good job, and like I didn't hate the character. I liked that that character was in the movie. Yeah. So I just think in terms of forgettability, I would say Malkovich's boss. So oh, he's the, he's, that's exactly... Oh. Yeah, he's the one who, like, fires him in the beginning and then the one who talks to J.K. Simmons later. Yeah. I just think him on his own is probably the worst one. No, I agree. That's exactly where my mind went when I was thinking of worse, so that's funny. Just didn't stand out. In a movie where everybody stood out, yes. like, he kind of just blended in a little bit. Yeah, he didn't really make me laugh, too. I feel like everybody on screen made me laugh out loud yeah. at one point, but he He worked didn't. good with J.K. Simmons. I think, oh, like, when they were together, but I'm just thinking that opening scene and then, yeah, like... It's one of those where I love everyone, so it was hard to pick a worst. Yeah. You know. Should I do the moral one now? I guess so. Okay. For my best, I went with Ted. I did too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he just... He just didn't think of himself much. Like no. He had his own problems. Like, you know, he definitely was... He needed some self-esteem boosts and things like that. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be Ted, but in terms of being a good person, yeah, he only was thinking of, like, Linda all the time. Absolutely. And he was definitely the most, like, grounded person person yeah like just grounded in reality as soon as he got a sniff of like something dangerous with like the the cia shit he was like i'm out like i don't want to involve myself in in anything i shouldn't be and all that you know what he reminded me of he reminded me of uh what's his name from the office what's the hr guy's name oh toby he reminded me of toby from the office a little bit of toby in there just not not in i guess the lack of Uh self-confidence really and just him crushing on Linda reminded me of Toby crushing on Pam. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. just he won't really say it straight on, exactly. straightforward that he loves her. Um, I could see that. But yeah, yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he was my mine too. <laughs> cool. And then worst? Honestly, mine is a toss up between Clooney and Tilda Swinton. Really? Yeah. I just thought the way Tilda Swinton did all that stuff with that money was kind of fucked up considering Osborne Cox didn't really do anything wrong to her. Mm. Like, like she was disappointed in him and like their marriage and stuff, but it's not like he didn't, you know, like I don't think he did enough to deserve her going behind and like stealing all of their money and freezing it. And then like, then divorcing him so he had nothing to you know what i mean like oh. i just think like on a morality gauge like that was fucked up like you're not only just like leaving the person you don't love anymore you're like ensuring that they're destroyed you're talking about mrs oz yeah oh, okay, okay tilda swinton oh tilda swinton yeah okay were you thinking i was saying linda yeah oh uh, <laughs> <wow. laughs> my bad <laughs> but yes okay so her and then Clooney too just because he seemed like a weird sociopath yeah no, I, I I agree with you on... I completely forgot to consider her for worse. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> um, I wrote down Clooney. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, along the same lines. And I didn't understand why he was surprised that his wife was leaving him. I think it's because, like, he was such, like, a narcissist where he... like it, It's like he didn't really see the big deal of his actions and hurting other people, but he couldn't see it happening to himself either. Mm. So... 
because he never had the intention of like leaving his wife like i think he just thought like oh i'll just keep doing my thing and this and that and then when it happened to like him he didn't know how to process it yeah and also like you can just tell whenever he was like sad or depressed he just want he just would go to anyone for companionship like he clearly didn't love his wife but then he called her and he's like i need you baby come home and this and that like he's clearly just emotionally mad immature and all that stuff uh so yeah but yeah i agree with you on tilda um yeah. tilda's character i just think that was so like mean-spirited to do that like it's not like he cheated on her or he like hit her or he did anything ever like terribly horrible she's like i need revenge yeah she just was like fuck this guy i'm gonna you know it's interesting how so remember when uh george clooney is in the car with his wife they're leaving the dinner party yeah and she calls uh tilda's character like a cold yeah yeah um, yes thank you <laughs> i forget who says it maybe it was oz but someone calls george clooney's character the same thing so i thought that was no interesting. tilda swinton says to george clooney the same thing about his wife oh yes that's what it was so that's yes. yeah 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 so yeah, I his wife said it about her yeah yeah so both the women he's sleeping with like hates the other woman yeah 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 which is funny because we don't we don't really get to know her too well, but clearly she's cheating on him as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's just all yeah. these terrible nobody's, people sleeping yeah, with each other. That great. Like <laughs> even like Linda, like it's it's fun to be on her side, but she's so the fact that she's willing to like break all these laws, basically be like a traitor to her country if she's doing what she thinks she's doing. Mm. And then even like when like chad disappears like she's worried about him but i never got the sense that she's like that worried like i i imagine once she gets paid off and done this movie she stops giving up she's probably like oh chad probably just moved away you know like like she didn't she seems so focused on her own self that's so true and she never even like like ted never even got close to like breaking through you know like she never even like she just takes his help all the time and doesn't reciprocate anything. You Absolutely. Know? She doesn't read yeah. the read the room. So even her, like, she's fun to be like, oh, she's so lovable and I like her, but like her and Brad Pitt aren't good people either. Like yeah. they're all bad people. I'm starting to I feel like you love movies that are about like bad people that you can kind of sympathize with, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like they're not great. I know. It's it makes... like in a funny way, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's I guess so. I'm yeah. getting that trend here. But yeah, I'm going to go with Clooney at the end of the day on that one. Cool, I still cool. think he's murdering people in the, that basement. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> um, that's pretty much all I have. The last one I have, I realized I didn't even get a worst, and we kind of talked about <laughs> it. It was just comedic moment, like best uh, worst comedic moment. I can think of a thousand best, but I don't really think of any moments where they tried to be funny that I didn't think worked. I think every time they tried to be funny, it was funny. Yeah. I can't think of someone like slipping on a banana peel and me being like, lame, you know? <laughs> and even my best is top three. It's... uh. George Clooney freaking out at the end in the park with Amlin Dalitsky <laughs> for best. Malkovich and Brad Pitt in the car with the Schwinn bicycle. <laughs> and then them calling Malkovich on the phone. Like those three moments. Yeah. The funniest shit in the world to me. But I guess I'll just do my last one then. Sure. So I, I, I wrote down best worst twist. I mean, obviously the best in that it surprised me the most was brad pitt's death yeah i was just was not expecting yeah, I'll, that i'll give that too because that just a shocks everybody <laughs> yeah wow i mean, I just love the fact that you weren't expecting like i just i feel like you're very good at predicting movies like you just know the formulas right yeah. like you've watched enough movies to know like what they're trying to do and just knowing that you were surprised by something just makes it like that extra special you know but yeah that that was my best that's awesome would you consider that your best too? Yeah, I think though, so. Yeah. I also find it just really funny that the guy tailing George Clooney the whole movie 
was a PI hired by his wife. Yeah. I don't know why. I just I think it's just that guy's delivery where he's like, Tuckman Marsh, Tuckman Marsh hired me. My wife hired you. No, my wife hired Tuckman Marsh. Tuckman Marsh hired me. You know, like, <laughs> that guy made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what worse would be, though. That's hard. I chose the affair uh, Francis and George Clooney were having. Okay. Only because I kind of feel like you could have went a little further with it once, you know, once he realizes in the park that the friend that he's helping her look for is the one that he murdered. Yeah. I feel like they could have gone a little bit further because I wanted to see Francis be crazy. Yeah. You know? So, like, I feel like if she had discovered what his character did, there could have been a whole other opportunity there for comedy. Nice. I, so, I'll give you that's that. the only reason why I made it my worst because yeah, I wanted yeah. more there. Nice, nice. That's awesome. I don't know if I have worst. You could pick the shower. <laughs> the worst twist of all time. <laughs> yeah, sure. How short George Clooney showers are it doesn't doesn't add up. <laughs> he must smell worse, which means he would be banging less chicks because he smelled like bo. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, beyond the credits. Oh, is are you going with yeah, that? Yeah, that's my worst. Oh snap! All yeah, right, yeah. cool, awesome. Wrap I didn't think that would work. Wrap it up. Right off the bat, it would be a really stupid movie to have a sequel to. I don't even know what the hell you would do with these people. For a movie like that, the plot mattered so little. I feel like it would be hard to justify why they're all back again. I think if you wanted to make a similar, I guess it wouldn't be a sequel then. If you were to make a similar like scenario, yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, a sequel. like I, I almost consider this a sequel to Big Lebowski, where it's mm. it's that, like it's not, but it's close enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and in terms of what happens to these characters afterwards, I just think nobody learns a goddamn thing. Like, <laughs> I think Linda gets her surgery. I don't think it necessarily makes her any happier. Right. She probably finds some new things to fixate on and be obsessed with. Clooney basically lives in Venezuela in a life of paranoia where he thinks he thinks people are looking for him when they're really not. Like J.K. Simmons guys learn to just sweep keeps sweeping problems under the rug you know malkovich is in a coma maybe he wakes up maybe he does it like i just it it would ruin the comedy if like if we followed through with any of this stuff because how it ends is half the joke right i I agree with you and i kind of feel like they you know the conversation jk has with his um (laughs) with his inferior (laughs) Uh, what do you call that i don't know with his employee kind of wraps it up you know like uh yeah she got her surgery and uh we're not gonna dig in deeper to why this all went down yep. <laughs> so like you just know that there there's not nobody's yeah. gonna be f- trying to figure anything yeah. out the russians don't care like it's just like close. they they wrap it up as quickly as the movie wraps itself oh, jesus up jesus christ like, so fast i feel like i feel like i've been showing you mad movies lately where they wrap up real fast and you get yes. frustrated it i was just about to say in that. blair witch yeah, kind of. And I don't think it really happened in Babadook, but I feel like you felt like it did. I feel like there was one more. I can't really remember right now yeah. when that happened, and it might not have been a movie on this cast. Uh, but uh, yeah, you have been. So yeah, nice. I I agree with you. I don't really see a sequel coming out of this movie. So Masha, I am simply just a good Samaritan. <laughs> Masha Paul, are you worried about? The security of your shit. (laughs) And I need to know, as a good Samaritan, that looks can be deceptive. (laughs) And do you love what I love? I love it. I love it.
I feel like I've been having fun experiences lately with the movies you've shown me having not known anything about them or seen any previews. Yeah. I just feel like it makes it more intense. I don't know if intense is the right word, but more impactful when I watch these movies, just not knowing what I'm going to be seeing. Um, With this movie in particular, though, I was just drawing so many conclusions that were so wrong (laughs) (laughs) that it was insane. Like, I just... I wrote down so many times, like, what the hell is happening? What the hell is this movie? And they didn't spell spell out this movie at all. Like, I feel like they just presented you with what they wanted to present you, but they weren't, like, walking you, like, ha- holding your hand, walking you through this movie, right? Yes. Like, it's kind of just, eh, this is happening now. Yep. <laughs> so I will say... I went in thinking that this was going to be a serious film with some fun. Yeah, like a dramedy almost. Yes, and it was just (laughs) out of this world. It was like very silly. (laughs) I'm coming out being like, you know what? You guys got me, and I love this film. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. Ooh, I am laughing at myself uh, uh, with how uh, uh, much... I how much substance I thought was in the places where there was literally none. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, just found it hilarious. I awesome. thought the acting was fantastic. <laughs> the surprises were phenomenal. I just yeah. uh I have a couple things to say, but I guess right off the bat. Um <laughs> so happy to be here, you know, team played well. No. Um, <laughs> now that you've basically seen two full Cohen brothers movies on yeah. each end of the spectrum, <laughs> does it make you excited to watch more of their movies and where do you think you're going to line up on the sillier side or on the seriouser side? I don't know. I mean, As though though I appreciate No Country for Old Men, yeah. it's not really a movie that I want to pop in and watch all the time. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's fucking <laughs> horrifying, but it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. So I feel like if the comedy is kind of like similar to this, yeah. I would probably lean more on the comedy side of their work. All right. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And like we said before about going into these without like knowing what they are about or seeing previews is the journey. Because, yeah, I think I feel the same way where when you don't see any of that stuff, it allows like the movie to take you on so many turns that wouldn't normally be there because you'd already be like, okay, so this is a movie about a woman who is framed for murder and escapes jail and kills. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't know that, then you're just watching a movie about a lady and all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, her husband's dead. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, damn, she's going to jail. You know, like, you know, you get to like... So, I don't know. To the audience, you know, this podcast, it's here to entertain, it's here to make (laughs) you laugh, it's here to teach you about a movie or two, but if there's one thing that we can just fucking put out there to be taken away, my message, my PSA to the world, stop watching goddamn trailers. (laughs) Trailers suck ass you're gonna put down a whole industry they ruin everything like everything like i can't tell you how many times i watch a trailer for a movie and i'm like i wish i didn't see that mm. like i i love even like practical magic like when we talked about that trailer oh, God, like it was so bad that would have ruined my whole experience watching that movie yeah there's so many wrong turns that could be taken one they could m- cut a trailer that is that does not represent this movie at all yeah one two if it's a comedy especially they'll put all the best jokes in the trailer i don't have a three but 
well, there, th- no, there is a thing. Yeah, three, even if it's not a comedy, it just puts all the plot twists in. So mm. you know what's going to happen 40 minutes into any movie because that's when like the thing happens. You right. know what I mean? Like, But I will say, though, I guess playing devil's advocate in a weird way, it helps you. It can help you figure out what movie you don't want to see. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? I guess. Like, I'm, I feel like this no trailer thing really works well for good movies. Yeah. Like, you don't want to see a trailer for a movie that you know that you will love. Yeah, but I guess you also have to put into... Like, you have to have people, you know, who watch a lot of movies whose opinions you can relate to. So, like, I have friends who have, think the same things are funny that I do. So, mm-hmm. if they see a comedy that they go, yo, this one's whatever fucking Hannibal Burris is in a new movie it's the shit yeah. then I'll check it out you know what I mean so yeah if without that then yeah it's hard because then it might be a oh I like Hannibal Burris and the movie might suck right you know but that's where my 15 minute rule comes into effect yeah I guess so but you watch things 15 still minutes? like yeah but if you watch this movie for 15 minutes you don't know what's going on uh, you don't have no idea what's true. gonna happen yeah, I don't know it's hard <laughs> but even like because I remember the trailer for this one it's not a terrible trailer but like they show you all the Brad Pitt silly stuff, so you know for a fact to not get... Like, I remember going into it being like, don't get too invested here. Like, it is silly as fuck. Uh-huh. Like, you didn't realize how silly it was going to be because they don't bring out the silliness till 20 minutes in. Yeah. So that's why you were able to get so invested in these characters. Right. So, yeah. And then one last thing I love about this film is it takes... So we kind of mentioned this at the tail end of the spoiler section, but mm-hmm. it takes it takes organizations that you would normally take seriously and just makes them silly, yeah. but in still a serious way. Yeah, <laughs> like they're not lampooning it like full. Like that's why I say where it's not scary movie. It's not. Yeah. It's not like super silly where they're just doing unrealistic things. It's just like yeah. Like I love Thank You for Smoking. Yeah. Because or like, Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. Like, you know it was that movie is about the end of the world, but it's a humorous look at it. You know yeah. like. I think I I I think I like that kind of humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this does have a lot of Thank You for Smoking vibes actually. Yeah. Nice. So. That's awesome. Oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> you love my movie. Another point for or me. <laughs> me me me. Oh, he's excited. All right. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Masha. And I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love.